This is a Wool Observatory podcast. Hello and welcome to Star Stuff. I am Cody Halfmoon, and today we're going to be talking about a lot of fun things, including nightcaps. Uh, probably not the nightcaps you're thinking of, though. We're joined by, of course, our co-host, Haley Osborne. Hi, Haley. Hi, everybody. And we have a very special guest, Arlene. Hi, Arlene. Hi there. I'm here. Hello. Um, and it's Arlene Martens, correct? Correct. Arlene Martens, yes. Yes. And um, we are also joined by Chris, president of the um, Flagstaff Dark Skies Coalition. Hello, everybody. It's a pleasure to be here. And Chris, I'm going to let you say your last name. (laughs) My name is Chris Luganville. Wonderful. Well, thank you guys so much for joining us. I do have some quick bios. Arlene, I'll start with you. Okay. (laughs) I'll I'll pick on you. Okay. I'm here. (laughs) Let's do it. All right. Arlene is a fiber artist who uses silk, cotton, and various types of thread to create art. Um, She designs elements um, including like you have dyes, paints, pencils, machine stitching. I mean, you have it all in your art. And your biggest source of inspiration are nature and the night sky, which is why we're here today. That's right. I just love the night sky. I love the the energy and openness and possibility of the night sky and just observations throughout the day. So I try to convey that in my art. So it, it has a sense of wonder and inspiration. And you are currently showing off this incredible art at a Night Visions art exhibit that is exclusively at the Coconino Center of the Arts here in Flagstaff. That's right. Well, I have, uh, let's see, Cosmic Impact there. That is uh, an honor to Carolyn Shoemaker. I did some research once I found out about the call for entry and uh, looked at a lot of images, read a lot of articles, and uh, I created that piece specifically to honor Carolyn Shoemaker. Which is amazing. Of course, here at Lowell, we love Carolyn uh, Shoemaker, uh, Carolyn and her uh, and Jean, right? Carolyn and Jean both discovered, I guess, yes. the Shoemaker Levy Nine. Uh, it's a comet that hit Jupiter in 1994. It was highly televised around the world. Carolyn herself discovered 32 comets, uh, which was at the time a record for mm-hmm. any individual, and more than 500 asteroids. We love Carolyn; she's amazing. So I could see why she was a, a someone of inspiration for your art. She was. It was awesome to have the uh, call for entry and that there was a specific person or, I guess, theme that that was an option as artists to include. And it was just a great jumping off point. I've entered Night Visions, I think, since the inception. So it was great to have this more specific view of, of someone very special to our Flagstaff community to research and create artwork on. That's awesome. 
Uh, Chris is a retired astronomer and the current principal of Dark Skies Partners LLC. And Chris is recognized as one of the most for, or one of the foremost authorities on dark sky lighting and spearheaded the campaign to designate Flagstaff as the world's first international dark sky city, along with the Flagstaff Dark Skies Coalition. Yay, round of applause for Chris. Thank Yay. you for doing yeah. that. That's so important. I can't it wait is. to talk to you about that. Well, mm-hmm. well thank you. Um, that was that wasn't you, you can say spearheaded, and thank you very much. It was a it was a group effort of really <laughs> the, the early, the early not only a group effort just to get the designation in place, uh, which was the uh, one of the first efforts of the Flagstaff Dark Skies Coalition in two thousand one. But really, it was building on recognizing the fifty plus year at that time fifty plus year effort of the community to recognize and support the values and protection of night skies. And we really wanted to help that the community become aware of what they had accomplished and be proud of it. And therefore, our ulterior motive is the pr- more proud and aware you are of something, the more like you are, likely you are to continue supporting its protection. And it has worked in spades. Oh, it's amazing. I mean, if it, you know, you and your, your, your cohorts of sky, dark sky lovers, we have so much to owe to you here, uh, in Flagstaff and, you know, not just Flagstaff, Northern Arizona, that's a huge boon to be the world's first international dark sky city. And it's inspired so many other people around the world to, you know, um, try to achieve this, uh, this dark sky status, including the Grand Canyon, which is currently going through the motions to become the, you know, an international dark sky park. So it really had the snowball effect and, you know, it was a really important thing that you guys worked on. So I wanted, I wanted to point out, I think Grand Canyon has actually finished and has achieved the status as well, Did they as, Yay. well as, as well as the Flagstaff area national monument, Sensei Crater Walnut and, uh, Walnut Canyon and Wapaki. I do want to point out that Arlene has been almost since the beginning, maybe since the very beginning, been uh, enthusiastic and such an effective participant in helping to show through her art these values of beauty and inspiration that night skies can contribute to people's lives. And not just night skies, but the whole idea of the awareness of the universe around you, not just its visual impressions, but also the scientific ideas and discoveries that come from it. All of that really illuminates the human experience. And Arlene is an absolute expert at helping to bridge that gap between what people oftentimes think of as science and art being separate areas. Uh, Arlene really showed that they really, as do many of the artists or all of the artists who participate in the night visions exhibits, they show that these really, they really science and art are really not separate. They really inform and illuminate each other. And they do. I've always loved Arlene's art. And I don't want to pass on your illumination pun. I want to take a moment and really appreciate it. <laughs> oh, we, in the dark skies business, these things come up all the time. So I stop even men- mentioning them when they go by. It's <laughs> <laughs> just second nature. <laughs>
Yeah, Arlene, I mean, we have some samples here of your art that you sent in. Uh, absolutely stunning. Uh, right now I'm looking at the one that's specifically of the peaks with this like gorgeous, colorful, I mean, I see like thread and needlework included behind here. And you know what it's actually reminding me of? What? Arlene is the 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 James Webb Space Telescope photo. Oh, yes. Yeah. With yeah. the mountains, right? Yes, exactly. Yeah, I know which piece yeah, that yeah. I saw on the news that you're talking about. Well, that's a great compliment. Thank you. I, I like my art to really capture the, the energy of what my vision is. A lot of times my vision keeps evolving and changing as I'm working through a project. It's like writing a paper and you're editing. You know, that's not the right word. That's not the right shape. That's not the right color. Mm -hmm. But I really work hard on having a, a strong science-based foundation for what I create so I get good tools, good science tools in my head. And then I can rearrange and play with them. I get to be the creator. It's mm -hmm. a, a little bit like the, the golden uh, ratio. You know, you get a little bit of information and how can I spin it? How can I change it? And then as, as the piece starts to come together and I have it on the wall and I'm working on it, looking for what's too light, what's too dark, what's too big or small. And the, the end piece, just like a book or a paper, is hours of taking away as well as leaving what's, what works. And a lot of times that includes picking a lot of stitches or I, I now don't mind going in with colored pencils or markers to achieve just the right look that I want. I used to be a purist that only could be dye or paint. But I use pastels, colored pencils, whatever I need to to make the art vibrate and sing so that the viewer has a sense of engagement and awe. And in that sense of awe, we are in our higher selves. Yeah. You know, when you're wondering, you know, how did that work? How did that happen? Like that kid in you comes alive for just a moment. I've, it's so important, important to me that my work communicates to a person that little bit of higher self, that bit of wonder. And the night sky and uh, night vision show shows are the perfect opportunity to convey that value system that I have. Yeah. And, um, before I get to the question, for those of you guys who can't see the uh, artwork we're talking about, it looks like the picture of uh, the Karina Nebula from... Karina, uh, that's right. Yeah, from James oh, Webb. Yes. I just wanted to throw that out there so that they know what we're talking about. Yeah, thank you. Um, but uh, Arlene, I was wondering if you could walk us through the process of creating these art pieces. All right. Uh, so let's uh, talk about the one that I made for Carolyn Shoemaker. So I did a lot of looking and researching online and reading, and uh, I was looking for images of the comet and really what, what the images would have been that Carolyn and Eugene and David Levy had looked at and discovered. So I actually sent emails and photos to Chris, who we're talking with now, and said, Chris, help me narrow down some of my research here. I need to start making art. So he helped me to narrow down my images. 
and uh, some specific information. And from there, I started drawing and I did some sketches. And uh, once I have my sketches narrowed down pretty well, I will make a final sketch. And then that will become a stencil. So I will cut out outlines of this of the paper drawing. In this case, it would be uh, like um, the landscape around Palomar Observatory. So I cut out a paper stencil with the, the trees, how they would be below the Palomar Observatory. I laid that on top of 100% black cotton and then sprayed it with uh, bleach where I wanted to discharge, where I wanted to remove the color and a swirl of a Milky Way behind the observatory, behind the trees. So the paper acts as a slight absorbent and uh, is the barrier for the bleach. And so I just get the bleach where I want it rather than all over the fabric. And then I go through steps of dyeing the fabric with fiber reactive dyes and the colors that I need. And it involves paint brushes and chemicals and things like that. Sometimes I have to dye two or three times to get the right color saturation. And once the color is established, then I can get to the, the sewing. And I use rayon threads and rayon reflects light very nicely, almost like silk does. And I began defining with my sewing machine. I can draw with my sewing machine. I've been sewing since I was 12. I won't tell you how old oh. I am now, but it's over 50 years. <laughs> so, and then I start drawing and defining shapes. So it's okay. You, I'm not good at math. Okay. <laughs> That's great. And, and it's just hours of defining shapes and sketching and drawing with thread. And in Carolyn's piece, Comic Cosmic Impact, the observatory, I really wanted it to be Palomar Observatory where they had their photo photographic plates where they did their initial discovery. So that piece, I just kept very exact, very specific, almost like a little architectural drawing and left the rest very ethereal and kind of magical because that's where the science happened. I wanted the Palomar Observatory to be grounded in fact, you know, in a metaphorical way in the image. And how often do you create new pieces like this? Each one takes a month or two to do. So I don't have a huge turnover. I make like six pieces a year if I'm lucky. And I do have my artwork at Flagstaff Artist Gallery in downtown Flag. So I have to work hard to keep up with art to put on the wall in my space there. But, you know, that's my passion. It's what I love to do. So it, it, it's great work. I wanted to mention also that people really should plan out to the Center for the Arts and see this exhibit. It's there through August 27th, I believe. Mm -hmm. And uh, you can find out some details about it on their website, CCA Flagstaff. Really uh, plan to get out there sometime. I don't, the hours I think are, was it Monday through Saturday? Anyway, you can check that availability online. And it's a, it's a wonderful exhibit and actually seeing it in person uh, really can supplement your understanding of what Arlene's talking about. There's also a beautiful piece in there, uh, a 
which is a, a combination video audio piece, which people really can be inspired by, especially in the quiet of the gallery. Mm-hmm. Was that Raider Lane's piece? Yes. Uh, the one that received, I believe they called it Best of Show. Uh, yeah, we Raider love was. Raider. He's actually been on a podcast uh, with Star Stuff before. It was great. Um, Chris, I wanted to ask, what's your connection to the Night Visions exhibit? I'll, I'll give you a very brief history of it. In 2001, when the coalition was first getting active and defining what our mission was and what we were about, at that time I was still uh, an astronomer at the Naval Observatory. So I kept some distance between myself and the coalition because I really wanted the coalition to be an expression of broad community values of the of the night sky and darkness. And, and since I was already fairly well known in the community as an astronomer, I was not being too closely associated with it. And then people would say, oh, it's just another expression of Chris Luganbu on the observatories. But nonetheless, I was involved and helped create these ideas, uh, a dark sky city program, but also the at that time we also created the idea with the original director i sat down at the i still remember the meeting with the director of the coquino center for the arts at that time named cheryl brock oh, and yeah. we, sat, we sat at the picnic table out there and we brainstormed about a way to get the artistic community engaged with the values of night skies and that's when the idea of the exhibition came up and uh, john graham uh, another community activist many people may know uh, was involved very much with the founding of the coalition. Really, he was a co-founder. He came up with the idea at Night Visions, and I had come up just with the idea, and Cheryl and I had come up with the idea of Celebration of the Night. So that was the origination of it in 2001. So that was the first Night Visions exhibit in October of 2001. There have been now, counting the one this year, eight exhibits, uh, Night Visions exhibits. And they've been very successful, increasingly successful. We get uh, interest from across the country and even around the world. We've had pieces submitted from India and Australia that have hung in the gallery. It's a really exciting and wonderful uh, event at the Center for the Arts. We hope to do it every other year, uh, but sometimes things like uh, COVID and other things uh, disturb that hoped-for schedule. Um, Chris, what kind of things did you study in your career as an astronomer? Well, when I I actually went to NAU as an undergraduate, and then I and I went to graduate school outside of Flagstaff. So when I came back, I came back to Flagstaff and began work at the Naval Observatory. Initially, uh, I was primarily focused on, well, completely focused on what you might think of as more typical astronomical studies. Uh, the Naval Observatory in Flagstaff at that time was very heavily focused on measuring distances to stars, what they called the uh, Naval Observatory Parallax Program, for those who were familiar with such un- unusual words. Uh, I also did work research on very small and young stars. Uh, there are so many stars out there, uh, astronomers realize that most of them are very small, much fainter and smaller than the sun. I also did research on what at that time were called gamma ray bursters. Uh, the Department of Defense, I believe, had put up some satellites to 
look for gamma ray bursts, they were actually looking down towards the ground, trying to monitor what people were doing with nuclear nuclear weapons tests. But these satellites actually discovered that were, there were blinks of gamma rays coming from the other direction. And there was a lot of effort in the 80s and 90s to figure out what was causing that, those gamma ray bursters, those cosmic gamma ray bursters. And I spent a lot of time on that as well. But in the mid-1980s, I got involved with West Lockwood at Lowell Observatory in reaching out to the community to begin updating the community's lighting ordinances. Uh, at that time, still focused very much on the astronomical perspective. In other words, protecting the sky so observatories can remain effective in their research. But I knew that the reason, really the, the main reason I really cared about it so much was because that inspiration and awe, at awe that Arlene referred to earlier, that really was underlaid why I was an astronomer. I didn't do astronomy because I like to push numbers around or program computers. I did kind of like using the big telescopes, I have to say that. <laughs> but, but really, it was because I wanted to work in something that was brought inspiration and awe to me every day. Like yeah. Carl, like Carl Sagan used to say, I remember, he was always amazed when he grew up and found out, you mean people actually get paid for this stuff? <laughs> I got into light pollution research so that I could help understand better how do you make it better? What do you need to do? What's the most important things to fix about the way we use lighting to have the biggest improvement in the skies? Uh, and over the years, it became more and more. And eventually, before I retired, I was probably spending more than half, maybe even more than three quarters of my time on light pollution. That's amazing. Did you ever work with Gerard Van Bell? I have worked with Gerard, although he came into the scene more recently. He's a very wonderful presenter uh, to convey scientific ideas to lay audiences. That's a really unusual skill in the scientist, and Gerard is very good at that. Yeah, it's incredible. For our listeners, Gerard Van Bell is an astronomer here at Lowell, and uh, there's actually we have an episode with him. Uh, super fun. He's just such a fun dude. Love him. He's a great guy. Yeah, he's super fun on the podcast. You got a lot of good guys up, good guys and girls up there at the Lowell. It's true, we lucked out. It's very true. So, um, talking about your background and everything, um, I'm wondering how you went from being this like this hard scientist, right? This astronomer uh, and getting involved in like art exhibits, you know, things like night visions? Well, it's kind of an interesting story. And Arlene and I were exchanging a few uh, texts before this podcast, trying to explore that a little bit. I've always had, I remember when I was in high school, uh, beginning in high school and even before, I've always had an inclination toward art and interest in it. Um, sometimes I do some of it. For many years, I've been a photographer uh, not of night skies particularly, but general, generally of photography. I've done a little bit of writing. I've done some poetry. I have an inclination as a scientist, uh, which is generally viewed as a very rational, uh, maybe even an unbalanced uh, approach to life. I've always had that aesthetic interest. So when I thought about ways to help broaden awareness of night skies and their values, uh, art was one of the first things I turned to. 
Uh, I thought that that was a way to help resonate with other people who weren't scientists. Yeah. There are other, there's many other ways. Music is a good one, for example. Uh, I was never very good at music. I used to play a trumpet in junior high school, and I think you I... were a trumpet player. <laughs> I was a trumpet player. I th- I never got good at it, but I know music is a very good good way to connect with many people as well. And in fact, we have uh, great cooperation or co- contributions from the music direction to our star party and other events that the coalition does uh, from uh, uh, David Kerner, who was a retired professor from NAU. uh, And he still, he really understands and explores this connection between music and awareness about the universe around you. And I'll tell you, there's there's very few things that are more uh, inspirational to me than to sit out under the stars and listen to live string music. It's just, it, you can, you can really get the idea. What were those guys talking about music of the spheres? You can really get it. You don't have to put words on it. Just listening to that music and looking at the sky. It's a remarkable connection. And Arlene, I know, um, so I know obviously the night sky is a big inspiration for you um, and maybe even astronomers or other researchers, but um, are there any other artists that you get inspiration from? Well, you know, even early on from high school and then college art history, I would have to say Van Gogh. Van Gogh's work... I still find inspiring Starry Night. And then even locally, Shanto's work is so phenomenal. You know, the the swirl and the energy in the sky Mm -hmm. or the foreground. So I would have to say wonderful Vincent Van Gogh and the Impressionist because it's capturing light and color and even a sense of frequency, you know, how things vibrate. Oh, what do you mean by that? Well, how the how the light reflects, how mm. how how the Milky Way reflects the light, and what the edge of the pine needles look like when the the moonlight is shining on oh. them. You know, that's all a all a frequency of light. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and just like music is based on frequency. Van Gogh is my one of my favorite artists, so it's probably no surprise why I connected with your art so well too. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I can yeah. see that. Yeah, that that kind of swirl of different patterns, how things mm. interlock together to create yes. the whole. Yeah. Well, in this picture, um, you know, I have a adorable photo, by the way, of you standing in front of your painting that you were talking about with the um, uh, with the beautiful Milky Way. You can see, um, you know, some of. I think photos from Carolyn's research that you interpreted into art above that as well. Yes, that that's from the exhibit that Chris was talking about. That's from Juror's the Choice. Exhibit. Yeah, exhibit. Yeah. yeah. Congratulations. Thank you very yeah. much. Yes. Yeah, Carolyn's looking over my shoulder, so I'm, I'm hoping she, she is seeing what's going on. And I hope her family enjoyed the exhibit. I heard they were there. I was oh, hoping I bet. that I could have met them, but... It yeah, I bet. Out that way. So, um, 
Van Gogh is actually one of my favorite artists. And um, I'm actually curious. So you mentioned he's an inspiration and everything. And he typically works with, um, you know, mostly paints and everything. And I'm wondering, how did you get started doing fiber art? Like, that's just that's something that I don't really see much of. And I think it's so beautiful. But like, how did you how did you get into that specific niche uh, part of the art world? Well, that's a great question. I have a degree in art education from NAU, mm. but I have been painting since I was in high school. I love drawing and painting. And I, as I mentioned earlier, I learned to sew when I was 12. My mom taught me how to sew. And mm-hmm. over the past 20, 30 years, my two passions have just come together. So if I was looking at watercolor paper and painting or some canvas, I was thinking, why couldn't I add needle and thread to this? So I became very interested in dyeing fabrics then. And uh, I was dyeing and painting fabrics and then cutting them and redesigning them and creating my, my own fabrics, you know, rather than going to like a store and, and buying yards of something cute, I could, I could come up with my own like watercolor type designs and assemble them into art that was more meaningful for me. So that, that's how my, my art has progressed to this point, going from two separate elements of just sewing Mm-hmm. And then just painting and doing fine arts into merging the two together. And there's a huge fiber arts community out there. There's quite a few people in Flagstaff that love fiber arts. And uh, because it's an art form, it, there's just many different styles, many different people doing it all different ways. If you scratch the surface, there's a lot of us out there. Yeah, I bet. It's amazing when like you get into a world and you realize how big it is, right? Yes. Yes. That's mm-hmm. right. Yeah. 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 I did want to throw this out there. When uh, when I saw your artwork, I genuinely thought it was all watercolors just because of like the way you worked with the fibers and everything. It's incredible. Like honestly, mm-hmm. to, our, to our listeners, like you have to go see this because it's it looks so cool. Like I've never seen artwork like this before. Yeah. It's amazing how the stitching will like highlight. So I'm looking at a different piece now, but like the stitching will highlight parts of like a uh, galaxy uh, formations that you've right. Right. painted. Mm-hmm. It, it helps to define. So as you're looking at it, you see it as a whole and you see all these different wonderful colors and shapes. And then as you move in closer, you can see all these great little stitched out details or some of the the pieces that I've done. The night sky will have um, gauze added to it that I've painted. So it has this really wonderful textural 3D look to it. And the gauze, since it's a mesh, it almost has, like when I look at it, like a sense of of time or passage of time, the, the openness mm-hmm. of the mesh you know, kind of an ethereal look to it. Mm-hmm. So uh, there, there's a lot of ways to create detail and interest mm-hmm. so that, that it's mm-hmm. engaging and, and has a, a sense of wonder to it. 
And I love the Jupiter and the one that won Jurors Choice. Yeah. You've got Jupiter up there. It's so pretty. I love it. Looked at a lot of photos and I did <laughs> drawings. And yeah, it ended up really looking like Jupiter. I could see the little swirls going oh, yeah. there. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Lots of hours at the machine there. Yes. Oh, I bet. I yeah. bet. <laughs> I wanted to add a comment that I really like the way that Arlene's work and other artists as well, that they're, they base, you, you base your work on uh, a, a real physical item or concept, and then you, you enrich it and you broaden it with these techniques that you've been talking about, stitching and colors and bleaching. And we can talk about the techniques of it, but really the, and that's really interesting. I love to get into those details as well, but I really like the extra depth that the basing it on something that people can see that it connects to the observable world around them. To me, that science, that shows that science is informing and enriching art. And it goes the other way too, that art informs and enriches science. Uh, some people have said over the years, and sometimes you hear it said in regard to the rainbow, that once you understand you know, Newton's idea of refraction and the prisms and all that, that it removes the mystery of the rainbow. And to me, that is absolutely wrong. It absolutely yeah. it enriches it and makes it deeper. Mm-hmm. Arlene is coming up from the other direction. I love, I love that bridging of the human experience and perception and involvement. Uh, of its of the universe that we live in. Well, and Lowell got to be involved in that journey a little bit as well. I know our historian went out to, um, I think, maybe provide some copy about Shoemaker and um, add these little arrows to show. Is that is that right? Yes, that is right. Kevin Schindler went out there, who's been on a lot of our podcasts. He's on our he's on our team. Actually, we love him to death. Mm-hmm. Um, it was really cool, though, to hear that we got to be you know, just a little bit a part of that. Yeah. In that photograph you were referring to of Arlene standing next to her piece, her piece of art, and then the photographs around it showing a photograph of Carolyn working Mm -hmm. and also photographs from the Lowell archives of Mm -hmm. some that were made by the research that Carolyn and her husband, Jean and David Levy had produced. So that, that display on that wall is really something special a special element of this Night Visions exhibit that I hope people can appreciate to look at the scientific artifacts that uh, Lowell and Kevin contributed to on one part of the wall, and then the integration of that into the art expression that Arlene put in there. That's just a wonderful combination for me. I completely agree with that, Chris. I just found that wall at Cochineo Center for the Arts for Night Visions absolutely fascinating the the scientific pieces the logs that were included there the uh, photographs of the comets with the arrows and then the artwork it just was this perfect symbiotic relationship of art and science there and mm-hmm. it, it just I found it very moving to and uh, just such an honor to have my piece on that wall along with the science and Carolyn's mm-hmm. images. Yeah, it was, it's a, a remarkable show. Something for 
any age person to enjoy, something for everyone. Everyone mm -hmm. will get their little aha moment there. <laughs> I, I want to give a call out. We mentioned here Arlene and myself, of course, and Lowell Observatory Archives, Kevin Chin, but I want to also make sure people know that this is really a broad effort to come up with this idea. And the staff at the Coquino Center for the Arts really contributed a lot to this idea and the development of the show. When it's so collaborative too, like you can see that when you're walking around the exhibit, like you can see all the different pieces where like science and art are combining to make this experience, which is really beautiful. And I think it's really symbolic of when you look up at the night sky. Uh, I mean, you're looking at, you know, I mean, you are an astronomer observing the light coming down from the sky. Uh, but it's also like, you know, the first time I saw the Milky Way, uh, the Milky Way as an adult, I cried, you know, like it's yeah. a very moving emotional experience. So it it's one of I feel like the easy like, I think science and art combine easily in a lot of ways. But I think specifically with astronomy, it's just it's so naturally fits together. I'm so pleased to hear you recognize that connection. And I I really oftentimes feel that part of this effort of night visions is to help bridge or erase that distinction that people tend to see between science and art. Really, it's they all connect and they inform and enrich each other. It's just wonderful. Mm -hmm. And I could add also that I, I think both our art and science are based on observation. The scientist or astronomer mm -hmm. is observing one way. The artist is observing for details another way. And then we interpret and deal differently with, the, with that fact or information and how it relates to a greater picture. But both art and science are, are, are based on interpret or based on observation mm -hmm. i'm getting tongue-tied because it's kind of emotional it's like it's right <laughs> in my soul as i'm talking about it so yeah mm -hmm. yeah I, I i i love the opportunity that night visions has to to show that collaboration between the two of of bringing those observations together but i imagine it's very similar in other fields too what that overlap is mm -hmm. and what, what we hunger for as humans, some understanding of our world around us and a sense of something greater around us too. And a, and a connection to it, a feeling of belonging and connection. Totally, yes, that is very mm -hmm. true. Yeah, our, the, the sky kind of re represents a spiritual journey. Mm -hmm. Well, and it's um, also for everyone to enjoy, which I think is unique to astronomy. Um, yeah, yeah. Anyone Anyone can appreciate and enjoy it, no matter your your major or how much you know about science, or even if you can recognize the Big Dipper, uh, you can still engage in it and appreciate it, which is really rare, I think, in the sciences. So true. Yeah. Yes. And that was like Percival Lowell's, one of his reasons uh, why he built Lowell Observatory, because he wanted to bring this to the public. So I feel like that's a message that definitely sits with us here at Lowell Observatory, you know, because that's, that's why we're here, you know. Mm -hmm. And what other science than astronomy can you think of that has daily radio spots across the country telling people about this or that phenomenon or discovery? Is, is there one of those on, well, progress in material science or even biology, as wonderful as that is? Mm -hmm. uh, astronomy really does have that special resonance. 
I mean, you'd be hard pressed to find anyone who hasn't seen one of the pictures of the James Webb Space Telescope. I I don't know a single person who's not only seen the photos, but couldn't stop talking about them. Very true. Yeah. Well, uh, there is a way for all of our listeners, uh, locally at least, uh, to experience this art exhibit. And uh, that is by just going to uh, the Coconino Center for the Arts. They have this exhibit up every first and third Thursday. They also have uh, sort of like an art reception, which is the nightcap that I was referring to. Uh, The nightcap event is uh, just like go hang out, enjoy this art. I think there will be refreshments. And every night um, that they're doing this event, they have a Sky Glow project. One thing I hope is anybody who visits the Night Nations exhibit will think about what is art and what is science. Mm-hmm. I think a lot of people think they know the difference. And I hope that some of the pieces on the wall might help broaden their ideas of what those are. Yeah. Absolutely. Well, thank you to both of you for joining us and helping connect those two things, the science and the art. I think this is a really important conversation, and I'm glad that it was you two that could join us today to talk about that. It was just such a pleasure. Thank you for the opportunity to share. Of course. Thank you all. Yeah. And uh, as always, to all our listeners out there, I want to remind you uh, that Star Stuff, a space podity, this podcast, we have a Discord channel and a Twitter where you can see some cool behind the scenes content. Uh, You can also uh, tweet at us, put it in the Discord channel or use the hashtag AskStarStuff to ask us any questions you guys might have about life, the universe and everything. And definitely head over to the Coconino Center for the Arts before this exhibit is up. You've got until near the end of August, so head out there. And thanks again, guys, for joining us. Thank you. Thank you. This podcast was made possible by our members and donors. If you enjoyed this episode and want to support our nonprofit in making more digital education like this available, go to lowell.edu slash donate. Thanks for listening.